about 75% of the people are, that claim themselves to be Christians are actually dealing with health issues in their life. There is something that are, they're dealing with. It could be all kinds of things. And instead of focusing on what God wants from them, which is healing, they end up becoming who they say they are. Bedridden, feverish, coughing, sneezing, allergies, you name it, you claim it, you become it. And it says in Proverbs 23, verse 7, For as he thinks within himself, so he is. So how do you fight this? I have seen Jesus heal all people he prayed for in the Bible. I have seen Jesus heal all that came to him and deliver. I've seen people healed. Healing is a gift. And today's show is Heal the Sick. So how do you go about that? And how do you flip it around? We've talked about this before, but it's such a huge deal today that I believe it needs to come back with part two today. Because most people focus on what is wrong with them feeling sorry for themselves and bragging about it instead of getting out of it. I want to see what Jesus did. I want to see the dead arisen from the dead. I want the lame walking. I want the sick to be better. I want those that cough to be free, allergy free. Can you imagine? Those with knee problems to get up and jump, steals disappear, PTSD no longer exists. It all flies out the door. Torn rotator cuffs are gone and no longer exist. This is the Jesus that I'm talking about. And this is what Jesus wants for you. Doesn't it say in the Bible? In Peter, 1 Peter 2, verse 24, by my stripes you are healed. Doesn't it say in the Bible that you will be saved? So salvation we accept instantly. Why do we stop by healing? Because healing is for you today. Now, healing is a gift. God wants to give you this gift. God wants you whole. He wants you complete. He wants you better. So how do you go about that? Well, the first thing you need to start to see is the symptoms, the three witnesses. The first witness is the symptoms. And the symptoms is the aches, the pains, the struggle. And we start identifying. And if we have these symptoms for a long time, we actually start believing them as is. I have a friend of mine that I am mentoring, and um, she just told me this last week. She says, Barbara, my son has now officially been diagnosed with autism, and I'm taking a course to learn what autism is all about. And I stopped her and I said, Jesus already paid that price. It's already been paid for at the cross at Calvary. Jesus wants to heal your son from autism. She says, oh no, Barbara, you don't understand because autism is something you're born with and you will have it your entire life. That is a lie from hell itself. That is being stolen, being killed, and being destroyed by the enemy, what God never intended to be. So how do you learn not to identify by what you think or who you think you are or expecting allergies every single year during spring and start claiming what God has for you instead? 
I noticed that in myself the other day. I noticed the struggle. I noticed something that I was like, aren't I over this? While I was in Israel just a couple of months ago, I had a little bit of a sore throat. I prayed it, I claimed it, and it left. But then while I came back to America and found out how much taxes we owed, I was shocked. I was like, oh, how are we going to pay this amount of taxes? It's so much. And while I spoke to my husband about it, he was kind of busy with something else. He says, oh, that's just your problem right now. I am busy. And that hit so wrong at that moment, even if it was never intended to be like that, it created a seed of unforgiveness in my heart. And the moment I had the, the studying about the healing, the prepping of what God wants for you, and the unforgiveness in my heart, the symptoms started showing up. The sore throat was back. The eyes were drier than usual, the dry eyes. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I ended up with all these bladder problems. And I'm like, what is going on? Do you know what my first reaction was? Go to a doctor, get it fixed. You know what my second reaction was? I can't afford for that right now. I have to pay taxes. Do you know what my third reaction was? Wait a minute. God says that I am healed by his stripes. I'm going to claim it. So I claimed it. I believed it. I saw it. And guess what? Nothing happened. A couple of days later, what do I want to do since the symptoms are so strong? I want to run back to a doctor, go to a doctor. But again, I was like, this is not the time. So I chose to take God at his word. Not because it was my first plan that moment, but because there really was no other choice. And I realized how easy it is for you and for me to first do what we think is a quick fix instead of to take God at his word and confess his word back to him. But it was a little more complicated than that because there was unforgiveness in my heart. So nothing happened. So every day I started praying, you have been pierced, you have been beaten, you have been whipped so I can be healed. And I said it every single day. I started praying every day to God. Thank you. You're healing me from this. I am whole. And then at a point, just a couple of weeks later, when my husband and I got together and we spoke about the finances and I forgave him in my heart and let go, that night the symptoms were worse than ever before. And it hit me. I'm like, whoa, how come it's worse now? Forgiveness, I've done check. I've claimed it and declared it, check. I've confessed it, check. I have faith got checked. I want it because I have the right to it. And in the middle of the night, I realized it was the devil sending me symptoms, witness number one, to try to distract me, to stop me, to hold on what already had been paid for the price because I was already healed at Calvary. And in the middle of the night, I said, Satan, I am done with this. I command you to go now. You have no right to give those symptoms over me anymore. And once it grew in my heart and I believed God's word with faith, the next morning I woke up and guess what? All symptoms gone, just like that. That, my friend, is what God wants for you.
There is one thing that you are most likely doing every month that will still push you back. I look forward to share it. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Bart TV. The stories we bring, the problems we show, the solutions we present are real. They are raw and they are authentic. The stories we share are with real people. Are you struggling? Or do you know someone that has problems? We want you to know that you are not alone. Many can relate. Are you afraid? God wants to give you peace. Do you feel unloved? Know that God loves you. God wants to give you love, peace, joy, and hope. It's all about the real deal. Barb TV wants to share with you its resources, answers, and hope. It is time to not live in a mediocre life, but for you to step into your full potential. God has great plans for you. We have great answers, resources, and hope. BarbTV.org or 855-515-5550. So how do we work through that? We have to first understand that healing is ours. It talks it so beautifully. Once you get what the Bible says and claim it over your life, everything changes, but you have to start believing not everything you've been taught all your life, but what God's word says. In Isaiah 53, but he was pierced through for our transgressions, salvation. He was crushed for our iniquities, that's sin. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scorching, we are healed. Salvation and healing, all in one section. And if we look in 1 Peter 2, verse 24, I already mentioned it earlier. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, salvation, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. And people will come up to me and say, Barbara, that's emotional healing. And I want to say, what are you talking about? About Jesus healed everybody. That includes you. It includes you. And it doesn't just stop it there. Because then when we look at first John first four, four, 4, verse 4, it says, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. You are from God. God is the image that you were created after. Perfect, healed, no blemish, good. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. And it says it over and over and over again. As a matter of fact, every time we do communion, we speak about the healing, but we don't know it. This was new to me, and it's probably new to you too, because we know about the wine, but what is it that the body represents? What is it that God talks about for us to remember to do communion? I want to read it to you. Let's see if you catch this. For I received from the Lord from 1 Corinthians 11, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. The bread was first, not the wine. The bread was first. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
what did this body of Jesus represent? Well, the sins were laid upon him, the sicknesses were laid upon him, the distresses were laid upon him, everything was put on Jesus. So when we celebrate communion, it's not just about salvation, but it's also about healing for you. How amazing we are. We will take communion and the next thoughts out of our mouth are, well, I've had a bad knee all day. I've been sick all day. I've been hurting all day. And we glorify Satan by focusing the symptoms instead of what God wants us to have. Are the symptoms real? Absolutely. Are the problems real? Absolutely. But are you going to dwell on them the rest of your life or speak life over it or that? I'm not sure if I told you this this last show, but I once went to a doctor and when I was at the doctor, I asked, I, I said, I just need a little, I need, just need a general practitioner in the area. This is years ago. And he said, well, you need a flu shot. And I looked at him and said, I don't want a flu shot. He says, well, if you don't get the flu shot, you will get the flu. And with the flu, you get a pneumonia. And with a pneumonia, you will die. And I, my eyes dropped. My mouth was open. I'm like, I will not receive that curse from you at all. You will not talk to me like that. And I did not take the flu shot. But that is how we're ingrained in living. The other day, I had an employee that said, Barbara, I might not feel good in a week from now because every year I usually have allergies and if I have the allergies, I'm probably going to get sick as well. So I probably can come to work for a while. And I'm like, I just, just cancel what you're saying right now. Our identity becomes the symptom. But what I want you to do is that your identity becomes what God's word says and that he wants to give to you. So it says here, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup, salvation, also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. In other words, every month, when most people do communion once a month, every month we remember that Jesus wants to heal us. And he already paid the price on, Cal on Calvary. It's done. It's taken care of. It's like a stamp on it. Over. And every month we remember that Jesus died for us and saved us. Now salvation is easy. What not about healing? So how do we consume this body? How do we take this to heart? Well, the Old Testament tells us this so beautifully. Because before Jesus, they did the Passover. And they would take the lamb and sacrifice the lamb as an offering for their sin. But there was more to it, because look at this. In Exodus 11, actually chapter 12, starting at verse 5, it says, Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day, and then a little further down, verse 7, it says, Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorposts. The blood was put on the doorpost so the angel would pass them by in Egypt. And on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it, that's the body of the lamb, they shall eat the flesh the same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. 
Wow. And then it says in verse 10, And you shall not leave any of it over until morning, but whatever is left of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. They ate the lamb. It was all taken care of. It was all consumed by body. It became part of their body. It became part of their blood. It became part of what fed them. It took care of it all. And then Jesus took the place of Passover. And it says it again in 1 Corinthians 11. This is so important you grasp this. This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Every time most people take communion, they are in one breath saying what is wrong with them. And in the next breath say, Jesus is alive and I am saved. But they forget the most important part of that. That also by his stripes, you are healed. Stay tuned. How do you do that? We'll be right back. Peace is beautiful. However, finding peace is not always easy. But the result when you get there is life-changing. Are you ready to dream bigger, pray bigger, believe bigger, and live bigger? If you want to break free from dull Christianity and transform to a vibrant, active believer, what are you waiting for? Dare to Believe Big teaches you to believe like never before. It is time to grow, evolve, and expand. Discover four words that can transform your life. Are you ready to build a relationship with God? God has incredible plans for you. It is an exciting opportunity, and you can live each day with a high expectation of what God will do next. Don't wait any longer and sign up for your new free membership. Sign up now and get a free gift at daretobelievebig.com. So there are so many people that take communion completely wrong and don't even know it. Why do you think when people take it, actually let me see if I have it right here for you. For as often as you eat 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26 starting, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, both of them, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup, it is both, not just the blood, it is both. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, we're claiming sickness, we're claiming to be believers, and we throw it right out the door, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread, there it is again, and drink of the cup. It is healing and salvation. And of course, there's a little more to this. For he who eats and, and drinks, eating and drinking, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. So I advise you to no longer just focus on the symptoms, witness one, to no longer focus on the pain, witness number two, but to start focusing on witness number three, which sometimes is a challenge if you're hurting that much. But how do you flip it? 
Witness number three explains it, and I'm going to take you to Romans chapter 10, starting at verse 8, and I'm going to give you a couple of sections here that will teach you how to not make witness number one the symptom, or witness number two the sickness, but witness number three the word, the priority to start hearing and by hearing to start seeing by hearing by seeing to start believing and by believing to start activating and to speak life over your life instead of death so many of us will brag and whine about what is wrong with us because we want people to give us feeling sorry pity but what we need is sympathy a compassion that fixes the problems Romans 10, 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, right here, in your mouth, right here, and in your heart. If you could memorize for me 1 Peter 2, verse 24, by his stripes I am healed. If you could memorize for me 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, and proclaim and declare this over your life every single day, the word that you say out loud starts taking seed in your heart which builds faith, which prepares you for your healing. Healing is a gift. Healing is for everyone. And yet, some get it right away, and some it takes longer. But here it says this, that if you confess, let me back up to eight, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which creates by speaking it, which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, he wants to raise you too, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in a righteousness. Are you catching this? Speak it, believe it, act it. And with the mouth he confessing, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. That's part of healing right there. Verse 13, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then in verse 17, and this is the one I would like you to memorize. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. You have to start reading, claiming, memorizing. It could be as short as just 1 Peter 2, verse 24, and 1 John 4, 4. It could be that short, but you start claiming it over and over and over again. And that is where the transformation takes place of the confirmation. And the identity is no longer in what you see by your five senses. But it starts to focus on what you do not see in faith if what God, for what God wants you to have. Whom of you right now is having issues? Raise your hand. Would you like to get better of those? Amen. This is the first step. I can pray all the healing prayers over you, but when the symptoms come back, and if this is not in your heart... You allow the symptoms to take over as your identity all over again. Salvation number one. 
the body number two. And God will make it happen. So you might ask me, is it possible, Barb, to pray for somebody twice, even if they did not get it the first time? And I would say, absolutely, absolutely. Because it says it right here in Mark 8. And this is even Jesus that prayed, starting at verse 22. And they came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to Jesus and implored him to touch him. Taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village. Why? Because identity in the village by the people, by himself and all those around him was his blindness. That's all he knew. His identity was in the symptoms and the sickness. Taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village. And after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? In other words, what does it look like? Can you see clearly? Do you have a 20-20? And he looked up and said, I see men, for I see them like trees walking around. <laughs> Jesus prayed again. Then again, he laid his hands on his eyes. Was this a shortage, shortage of faith by, by Jesus? No. This was a shortage by the man receiving it. He laid his hands on his eyes again, second time. And he looked intently and was restored and began to see everything clearly. And he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. Why? To not go back to the old identity. When Satan tries to tell you with symptoms to go back, you have to say, stop. No, this is not for me. You get that? So when you cleanse the heart, when you turn it around, it flips around. So what do you dwell on? What is it that you dwell on? Philippians 4, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Don't imagine of what goes wrong in your life. Imagine what God wants to do. I imagined a perfect throat. I imagined no more bladder problems. I imagined no more eye issues. All because a doctor said this would happen to me in the future. Instead, I imagined what God was going to give me. And today, I am healed. And so can you. God loves you. Take it. Wrongfully accused. The, the moment I say that you think somebody is wrongfully accused, and it might be one or two people, or just some people, but you were wrongfully accused for put in prison six months. A woman, her son, and the daughter-in-law accused of kidnapping. And I watched this video and I said, I don't see a kidnapping here. This is insane to me. And I pulled the Bible out of the library and I went to those scriptures, and they were the answers to the prayer I had just said an hour before. She was mocking, God used her <laughs> to give me a message. Wow. To let me know I would be set free and go home soon. Wow, that is huge, and, and there's so much story. So you don't defy yeah. God.